Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and today we have a couple things we want to talk about. First, we're going to talk about, and this happened, this news broke almost literally while I was doing the podcast last week, so it feels like a little bit older news already. But we're going to be talking about Epic opening its own storefront for games, digital purchases, to compete, be a direct competitor with Steam. And then we're going to talk about the Game Awards, and we're going to talk about the winners and how uh, how it all went down, and uh, if if we thought that that was fair. You know, again, all my opinion, of course, but we're just going to kind of run through that. It'll probably be a little shorter podcast today, and I'm not sure if I'll have one next week, as I think I might take a little bit of a Christmas break because we have next week. Uh, my brother's actually having a back surgery, and I'm going to help him with that, help him out for a few days uh, around the house, and then the following week is Christmas. So I might take a little bit of a break there. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't decided. I don't really like to take breaks. I like to kind of keep, you know, I, I like to do this every week and it's not like this takes a ton of time. Um, but it, uh, it does take time. <laughs> so, uh, so if I have other things going on that unfortunately just are on those days, it's really hard to find another time to do it. Uh, so we'll see next week. I'm not sure of, but definitely Christmas week, we will not be doing a podcast, but I'd like to do one next week. Cause I don't want to have two weeks without a podcast. And then if I do one next week and I don't do one on Christmas and I don't do one on new year's, then, uh, then I'd have two weeks off in a row. But if I don't do one next week, then I'd have three weeks off. And so that just seems crazy. And I've never had a three week hiatus from the podcast. I mean, a couple weeks ago we hit podcast number 100. Like I've been doing this now for over two years, which is really, really hard to believe. And I was doing this before the drop rate. And I was doing this, I started this with Jenny, man, I want to say in like September of 2016, I think. And then I was invited onto the drop rate podcast, the original podcast called the Have At You podcast before we were even the drop rate. And I met all those guys. And then in April of that year, that's when we started you know, the drop rate official channel. And then everybody left except for me and Jordan. <laughs> and then Jordan and I picked up Jeremy and, uh, that's the trio that you have today. So we'll kind of see how it's going. Um, I hope everybody is, is getting their Christmas shopping done. Uh, we had a phenomenal black Friday selling season and now it's just, uh, basically it's a little bit of quiet before the storm as we restock our shelves and get a bunch of trade-ins so that we can have a gangbusters day after Christmas sale. So, uh, with that being said, let's uh, let's hit the ground running. So to begin, we're going to talk about the new Epic Store. So this this news kind of came out of left field. I, I guess I don't remember hearing rumblings of this even. In fact, I kind of always thought it existed. <laughs> so when I heard about it, I thought, well, wait, doesn't Epic already have a store? And they did have like a, a launcher and they had a storefront for like their games. But now what was announced uh, late last week, I'm going to read the story here. This is on Kotaku. Uh, This is just their headline. They didn't break the story, but, you know, this is just where I found the info I wanted to share and pass along. Over the years, people have pondered what a viable competitor to Steam's dominance would look like. Who would pull it off? And what would their silver bullet capable of hobbling even Valve's game-slinging behemoth? Late last week, Valve announced that Steam will take a lesser cut... Uh, excuse me, that Steam will take a lesser cut of revenues from games that sell 10 to 50 million worth of copies, 25% for the former and 20% for the latter. So basically Steam was saying, hey, if you sell a ton of copies, we'll take less of your money, <clears throat> which kind of feels like the opposite, right? <laughs> like if, if you were selling a ton of copies and making a bunch of money, Steam would give a discount to the smaller indie devs, right? That's, that's what you would think. 
But no. But so they recently announced that, hey, we're trying to get competitive. My guess would be they knew the Steam, that the Valve Store, or not the Valve Store, goodness, the Epic Store was coming. And so this was their way to try to hinder that news a little bit. This, they, they were trying to take a little bit of Steam out of sales. And maybe they didn't know the exact numbers. So they came out and said, uh, we'll only take 20% if you sell $50 million in sales. And we'll only take 10, uh, 25% if you do 10 so like, okay, cool. Well, hey, Steam's lowering its price. That sounds like a pretty fair deal, right? Uh, and then today, this is when the article was written. So this is actually last week. Everyone admitted a collective, oh, now I get it upon finding out why. Unreal Engine creator and Fortnite developer Epic announced that on the, it's on the verge of launching its own store, one that will take a cut of just 12% of earning from developers. So that's almost half of the best deal you can get selling $50 million worth of sales on Steam. So 12%, way down from the industry standard 70-30, split that steam helped pioneer so 7030 seems to be if steam pioneered it that must be what uh anybody else has like on the microsoft store sony store probably all that fun stuff um in an interview with GameIndustry.biz, epic games founder and ceo tim sweeney said that while running fortnite and selling digital goods through the world's most popular game epic realized that 7030 isn't necessary quote in our analysis stores charging 30 percent are, are marking up their cost by 300 to 400 percent he said, but with developers receiving 88% of revenue and Epic receiving 12, this store will be a profitable business for us. End quote. Epic's announcement puts more pressure on Valve, a company known for its tendency to only react out of absolute necessity, whether in regards to hate groups and Steam's inconsistently policed community sections, fake games, taking advantage of an exploit in Steam's trading card system, the normalization of review bombs as a viable tactic to try and tank game sales, or the Counter-Strike gambling ring. They go on to say Steam never w had all the biggest games on PC, what with League of Legends, World of Warcraft, Minecraft, and others occupying their own chunks on the internet. Valve compensated by opening up Steam to indies and over the years home-growing hits that ranged from Terraria to Stardew Valley to PUBG to Rust and Undertale. But the number of big-name absences has become more conspicuous in recent years. Two of this holiday season's biggest games, Fallout 76 and Call Out Call of Duty Black Ops 4 both eschewed series-typical Steam releases and came out on a publisher-owned platform instead. Fortnite continues to do numbers that rival Steam all by its lonesome. Overwatch is dominating the team shooter scene on Battle.net, and EA's origin continues to exist, which means series like Battlefield have also departed Valve's storefront. Other competitors, too, like the Discord store, have popped up, though they haven't made many waves so far. So the Discord store also is a little more indie-focused right now, but it's it's going to do more. And I, I'll, I'll get more into it. Let me finish the article here, and we'll kind of see. Um, There's now a blueprint out for publishers taking their 30% revenue cuts and going home, and more of them are starting to follow it. Valve doesn't have one big competitor, rather. It's surrounded by a bunch of fiefdoms that simply by existing call into question the necessity of publishing games on Steam at all. Smaller developers, meanwhile, are dissatisfied with a service that seems increasingly indifferent to their needs, leaving them to force their signal through the noise while surrounded by tools that an increasingly toxic community can game as they please. I don't know what they're referring to there. There's a link, but I'm not going to worry about it. Many have wanted to jump ship, but there hasn't been anywhere else to go. That feeling of helplessness has only bred further resentment as Valve has stubbornly stuck to its guns okay so that's really the the meat and potatoes there folks and i guess at first your first impression is that's awesome because competition is good for the market 
whenever two companies compete, bigger companies compete, the customer always wins. That's just a fact. So be very, very happy and, and excited that Epic is coming up with this. Now, also taking a shot at the pricing is huge. I think that's fantastic. So let's say that they really start taking a chunk out of Valve. Valve's going to have to adjust and adjust those those cuts on Steam that they take. And uh, one article I wanted to also flip to was that, and this came out just yesterday, was that the Epic's Game Store is already locking down exclusives. So, so far, six developers have said their games will be exclusive to the Epic Store for a while, in some cases up to a year. These include interesting indies, I like how they said that, like Hades and Ashen. Hades is the new game uh, by the guys that did Bastion and Transistor. Uh, Ashen, as well as Super Meat Boy Forever, which will launch in April 2019 and be exclusive to the Epic Store for a year. The Epic Store is, quote, desperately needed to get Steam to give a shit, said Team Meets Tommy Refinis. Refinis? Refinis? I, sorry for butchering that name. In the game's Discord channel. Uh, like many other developers of Epic Store exclusive games noted that some fans are upset that they have to use multiple apps to play their game libraries. Quote, it may mean more launchers, sure, but a small price to pay for a developer community that doesn't feel like they have one choice on PC. Um, uh, they also, down a little bit further, is uh, Goat Simulator, which is developer coffee stain studios. Next uh, game called Satisfactory. Uh, so that was by the people that made Goat Simulator. Uh, quote, I know, and he actually took his... He took his game off of Steam. They had a Steam page set up and everything. He took it off. Uh, and he went on to say, quote, I know a lot of people are going to have strong opinions on that. Or said the community manager, Jace Varley. Cool. Have those opinions, he said, as he understands the decision to use only the Epic Store isn't necessarily going to make everyone happy and said it was incredibly frustrating to not be able to tell people sooner. Um the very cool-looking cowboy space shooter Rebel Galaxy Outlaw will also be exclusive to the Epic Store for a year. Achieving Epic's goals on the royalty fronts means more developers succeeding and surviving and making more good stuff, wrote the game's developers in an FAQ. So we've got them challenging offering better prices, better payouts to developers. That's good for developers. Any more money they can keep in what's very is an incredibly more difficult environment to make a game, that's always good. Competition is always good because competition between two pig companies mean they're fighting over us and when they fight over us they'll do different things to get us to come back so whether it's steam doing more sales steam taking less from developers developers offering their games cheaper because whatever it ends up being maybe steam maybe valve comes up with an idea where it's something along the lines of well you know we'll we'll take the same cut but if we put your we can put your game on sale and we won't take any of the sale cut, or something like that like they can they'll have to they'll have to adapt and they'll have to change and so it's a good thing I do have a, a tad bit of an issue, though, with the multiple launchers, and it's not—it's not like it's just two launchers. Okay, so now I've got a Bethesda launcher, an Epic launcher. I've got Steam. I've got Blizzard. I've got EA Origin. I've got Ubisoft. I mean, like we're getting to the point now where it's—it's kind of ridiculous. Now, is it really that big of a deal? Because you used to just have all your programs on your computer and you didn't open Steam to play them, you just played them all off of shortcuts on your desktop. So is this really much more different than that, just going into a launcher and then launching the game? I suppose not really. But what I do worry about just a little bit with something like this is when... 
what happens if these stores close, right? So let's say, and, and this is an issue that uh, Jordan and I were talking about with the VR stuff where you had the Oculus store and Steam and you had the Vive store and everything. What happens if all of a sudden Facebook just says, ah, oh, we're done with the Oculus store, we're doing something different. Those, If they shut your account down, you're done. That's it. There's no more accessing that. Now, if you look at the big companies, your EAs, your Valves, and your Epic, they shouldn't realistically close a store. Ubisoft shouldn't ever really close a store. But Epic, if, I, if I'm quoting this correctly, and I didn't double check it, but I'm pretty sure they're owned mostly by Tencent. So if, if they've got a huge stake of them owned by Tencent, what if one day that company completely rebrands, takes over, and, sh and fundamentally shifts the business model, and the Epic store is gone? All those games you bought could be gone. And that, again, is kind of a problem of this digital age we live in, is you're not buying the games. You're buying the right to play that game. And at any time, they can take away that right to play that game. And so I worry a little bit about something like that, where if you have all these little indie shops popping up, what happens if they go away? You just lose that. And now some stores like GOG, they offer you DRM-free solutions. Well, that's excellent because then you can download all your games if they're closing and just keep them. And you have them set aside for when you know, if that store inevitably shuts down, but I, and I'm sure Epic is working the exact same way as steam does, but you can't access those games and steam. I want to say you can go into offline mode. Uh, so that's good, but isn't it something like, um, you can only do that for like a certain amount of time or something like you can't go offline forever and play all your games forever. So there are restrictions and there are things that worry me again, valve. I don't think as a company that's in, you know, is worried about going out of business anytime soon. But I try to think of these things long term. I try to think of 10, 15, 20 years down the line. And in 10, 15, 20 years, what if these services go out? And then I, I, it's fair, I guess, you could make the argument that says, you know, well, in 20 years, if you don't get to play all those games you bought on Steam, does it really matter? And will your computer even run it at that point? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. But it's mine, you know, like that's the problem with this digital ownership is it's not really mine, but I feel like it should be mine since I paid the money for it. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's making waves though. And it's, it's a good thing. I mean, I, I really think overall, it's a very, very good thing. My only real worry, like I said, is having everything, having a launcher, everything, having its own store, having all your purchases split up and then, uh, struggling to, you know, lock down everything now the one good thing is i bought because i wanted to play divinity 2 uh with my wife and so i bought a second copy of the game on gog and i have the game on steam and we were able to play together because they were different accounts uh if i i couldn't just buy the game on steam and play two players by having both of us on steam it doesn't work like that so that was kind of neat that uh, i was able to buy it on another platform digitally on both of my computers and let my wife play on one of them. So, so I, there are obviously some positives there too, but it's just something to think about. It's just something to, 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 to keep ahead. Now I want to say too, I'm not seeing this anywhere in this article, but I want to say that the person who worked on, oh, what was it? Uh, game spy or game spy, steam spy or whatever it was like, it was like a, it was like a, a, a guy who was in charge of a site that, that tracked, steam purchases and concurrent players and a bunch of stuff like that and valve had recently changed how they do things made his job a little more difficult well he's apparently the architect of the epic store so it's it's very interesting and not that he was working for valve or anything but somebody who was that ingrained in that is helping with the epic store and so that whole thing too is like okay now you've had somebody who really knows the inner workings 
of steam and how everything was going more more, more than most uh, i would say not as much as inside people obviously but more than most outside people this person knew and then him to be helping create the epic competitor i mean that's whew, whew, that's that's a big deal um and that's that's pretty cool and that's gonna be a wild one so uh just something to keep an eye out for uh i they're also and then i saw this one uh, where was it? Uh, oh, I guess I must have closed it. But they're already announcing that they're going to give away free games on the Epic Store. So the first free game they're going to offer is Subnautica, which is a very good game. It's like an underwater exploration uh, game. And so th that's all good. I mean, it, they're, they're coming out swinging. If you're going to do it, you might as well. I mean, if, if you're going to do it, you do it right. You come out and you, you, you crush hard and you mess around. And you, and you take them down. And that seems to be like Epic's going for the throat right away. Like they are not, they are not playing when it comes to this competitor for the, uh, for steam. All right. And then let's see here. Uh, I wanted to talk about the game awards. <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to reset that. Sorry. Live podcast. People give me one second. I got, I got to do a better video intro than that. <clears throat> And then lastly, we're going to talk about today the winners and I guess losers of the Game Awards 2018. So uh, if you don't know, <laughs> the Game Awards is like a video game streaming award show that happens every year now in December. And uh, this year was no exception. It was probably bigger than it's ever been. And it's hosted by Jeff Keighley. And it brings together tons of people from the video game industry. And they do it very much like a Grammys or Emmys or whatever award show where they have presenters and it's a big deal. And they have, you know, your game of the years and you have your best art direction. Like they have a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to go through them all. Uh, I'm going to start at the bottom because the game of the year is at the top. And why not? Let's just start at the bottom with what seemingly is the least important. Uh, according to this article I'm reading on Polygon. So this was just, this just put it all together with also the with the nominees because I wanted to go over the nominees as well just to kind of I wanted to look at it and say here's who won here's who I think should have won here's who I thought was going to win that sort of thing as we go through it so we're going to go through the game awards here um, it's a very polarizing event uh, a lot of people either don't like it or love it and some people argue that it's just one big advertising um, like jerk off session and then there's people who say it's a great split between e3 where you get a bunch of great announcements that may have been too late for e3 and too soon for next year's e3 so it's very polarizing i actually i i think anything that shines a light on the industry is a good thing and uh it keeps getting bigger and bigger and i don't know if that's a good thing or not but it's it's fun to watch it's it's neat to see something and it's also neat to see people who genuinely worked on these games get recognition for that so anyway Let's start at the bottom here. Some of these are going to go pretty fast because I'll be honest, I don't really care about content creators and esports moments and whatever. So here we go, though. Content creator of the year went to Ninja. Uh, I, you know, I can't really say anything, I guess, against it. I mean, he's one of the largest content creators. Uh, there was an argument to be made that are Twitch streamers content creators or could you have a streamer of the year and a content creator of the year, maybe somebody who does YouTube videos or something. I don't know how I feel about that. I really don't care to be quite honest <laughs> um best esports moment the winner was c9 the comeback win in triple ot versus phase in e-league i don't know what that is um so we'll go on best esports host the winner is uh fj s jokes deportere deportier uh congratulations uh you are the winner 
Also don't care. Best esports event. The winner was the League of Legends World Championship. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't care about that either, so we'll keep going. Best esports coach, uh, Bach Reapered Hengill from Cloud9. All right, they're a very successful team, so I guess it's well fun. Uh, best esports team goes to Cloud9, so Cloud9 and League of Legends clean in house. Uh, best esports player, uh, Dominique Sonic, uh, Dominic Sonic Fox McLean. Um, so this I actually kind of do care about. So let me just say real quick, uh, this guy does not mess around <laughs> when it comes to fighting games. Like he balls. So, I mean, he, there you go. I mean, he, he deservingly so. Uh, obviously, very, um, he's very uh, expressive <laughs> in what he is. Uh, he refers to himself as a, what is it? Uh, he, like, he's said this on Twitter, so don't come at me like I'm, I'm attacking him here. But he, he'll, he self identifies as a, a, as a black gay furry who just happens to whoop everyone's ass at fighting games, which I guess all those things are accurate. So, congrats to, congrats to him, man. I mean, he, he he wins. I mean, he wins a lot. So uh, congratulations. Best esports game. The winner is Overwatch. So now we're getting into the game stuff and out of the esports player stuff. So let's go a little bit more in depth in this. So the winner was Overwatch uh, out of the following games. Counter-Strike Global Offensive, Dota 2, Fortnite, League of Legends, and Overwatch. Uh, I'm surprised that Rocket League didn't make the esports like the nominees. I'm actually very surprised that didn't make it. Uh, especially, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, there's, there seems to be a lot like, what about, um, rainbow six seems to have really big tournaments. Um, so weird. I mean, overwatch winning doesn't really surprise me. I mean, it's overwatch. It's a big deal. Yada, yada, yada. Um, so yeah, overwatch is the best esports game, best debut indie game. So the nominees were donut County, Florence, Moss, the Messenger, and Yoku's Island Express. So this would be a category Jordan could talk a lot more about than I could, but the winner was The Messenger, which is the only game on the list that I played, and it was excellent. <laughs> so we'll, we'll give him credit on that. That was good. If I had to pick one of these, I would have picked The Messenger. The best student game. This is kind of cool. So uh, this was uh, win the winner was Combat 2018 from Inland Norway University of Applied Sciences, Norway, but they had a bunch of other games from different colleges. I thought that's pretty neat. Uh, a neat category best multiplayer game now this is what i don't understand but well i let me finish the category and then we'll talk about it black ops 4 destiny 2 forsaken fortnite monster hunter world sea of thieves so i look at this and i'm saying best multiplayer game but fortnite came out last year so i don't under like they have a category for best ongoing game so how is best multi i mean I don't know. I, it's fine if that's how they do it. It, just, it confuses me a little bit because, and same with Destiny 2. It came out last year, but the Forsaken expansion came out this year. So now an expansion can be considered, okay, fine. That That's fine. That's skirting the line, but that's fine. But really, Fortnite just seems weird because it came out last year and it ends up winning. So Fortnite is best multiplayer game. It's certainly the most popular multiplayer game. I mean, there's nothing to be said about that. But that's weird to me, I guess. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, Best sports and racing game. The nominees were FIFA 19, Forza 4, Mario Tennis Aces, NBA 2K19, and Pro Evolution Soccer 2019. Why is this not two categories? I mean, this this is kind of mind-boggling to me. Like, I understand that you already have a bunch of categories, but best sports slash racing game? Like, come on. I mean, I guess if you wanted to argue that NASCAR could be in both racing and sports, like, okay. You know, but... Like, it's, it's like, look, look at your nominees. Madden doesn't even make the list. So it's FIFA, Forza 4, Mario Tennis, NBA, 2K19, and Pro Evolution Soccer. Like, 
that's just weird to me. Just break it up, you know, but obviously people are already arguing that it's too long, but whatever. Just break it up. Um, best strategy game. The nominees were Battletech, Frostpunk, Into the Breach, The Banner Saga, and Valkyria Chronicles 4. I have not played any of these, but Into the Breach was the winner, and that was the game made by the people that made FTL subset games so apparently that's really good and i should play it. i do own BattleTech. i've just never played it i should do that uh it's also interesting because mutant year zero would be a good strategy game but it came out too late to be nominated for the list okay best family game the nominees were mario tennis aces nintendo labo overcooked to starlink and super mario party and the winner was overcooked two i've never played the second one i played the first one it's actually pretty fun it's a fun party game uh, this is just a weird bunch of nominees to me, though. Like, best family game, Mario Tennis, Labo. I guess that's fine because I can see parents and kids working together on stuff. Starlink? And that's a family game? I, I don't know. This is a weird category to me. We'll move on. Best fighting game only had four nominees when everyone else seems to have five, but it was Blaze Blue, Dragon Ball Fighters, Soul Calibur VI, and Street Fighter V. Now... The winner was Dragon Ball Fighters, which makes total sense. That game blew up on the scene. It's it's a better Marvel Capcom game than the later Marvel Capcom games are. But they put Street Fighter V Arcade on here, so I guess the arcade version did come out this year, but you could argue that that's like an expansion pack. And I know this came out last year. What about Tekken 7? So Tekken 7's had, a, 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 you know, it doesn't do an official expansion like an arcade edition, but all arcade edition did was add fighters. So... Why can't Tekken 7 and Street Pass get on there? Tekken 7 should be on this list. And it's a big game that's really doing well right now. So it should be on there. But it's not. Best role-playing game. Now, this was a real head-scratcher, but let's go here. So the best role-playing game, Dragon Quest XI, Monster Hunter World, Nino Kuni 2, Octopath Traveler, and Pillars of Eternity 2. The winner goes to Monster Hunter World. Now, Jordan and I disagree on this, but I still contend that Monster Hunter World is not an RPG. And so I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about this because Jordan and I were going back and forth on Twitter about it, and it's hard to, like, get your point across on there, you know? So, and he was kind of surprised that I didn't consider it an RPG, but to me, there's certain RPG fundamentals. And one of those fundamentals is leveling up, unlocking new abilities or skills based on that level up, and then becoming, like, stronger, more powerful as you level up. Well, Monster Hunter doesn't really do that. Like, you don't have levels necessarily, but you have a hunter rank, which uh, Jordan sent me a quote from Capcom saying something like, you know, the hunter rank is supposed to replace uh, the traditional levels, which, okay, but you don't, nothing, getting hunter rank isn't, doesn't unlock anything for you. Like, getting, getting a higher hunter rank doesn't make you more powerful. It doesn't unlock skills or abilities. In fact, you don't have any skills or abilities. This reminds me a lot of the Legend of Zelda argument. Like, a lot of people argue that Legend of Zelda is a role-playing game, and I, I don't think I could say that that's a role-playing game because you don't really level up. Like, you get new weapons and you get upgraded weapons, but you don't, you don't level up as a character. And so I definitely see where people are coming from. If you say that the hunter rank is your level, okay, but that's not a gatekeep that's not a gate to prevent you from anything. So it's, it was weird to me that like I wanted monster hunter to win. I mean, I have to say that too. I'm a huge monster hunter fan. Like I love that game. I've put 200 hours into that game in the first month it was out. And that is not an exaggeration. I played that game for 40 hours a week. The first month it was out as much as I was working, I was playing monster hunter. Uh, I, I crushed those games and I absolutely love them and I wanted it to win something. 
But would I say it's a role-playing game and not an action-adventure game? I would not say that. But it won. <laughs> uh, what, what, so, but anyway, getting back to the argument about is Monster Hunter an RPG, so I don't feel like you level up and you don't unlock any skills. You don't get any more powerful from leveling up. When you level up, eventually like you have to be a certain hunter rank by completing quests they just give you hunter rank that allows you to go to the next like difficulty but you level yourself up in monster hunter by crafting new weapons and armor it's like the best aspect of that game is that you don't you don't become stronger your weapons and armor become stronger because you're able to make them off of the more difficult monsters you're hunting so th those are kind of why i don't consider it an rpg and that's fine if you do, no problem. I'm very happy at one. It's it's what that's what's hard to say is like I'm happy at one. I love Monster Hunter. Um, I don't know if World's my favorite though, and I, I need to play Generations on the Switch to see if the all the quality of life changes they did in World ruined the old game for me or made me want to go back to the old game. So I don't know. I gotta try that out sometime. Uh, but so as far as the other nominees, I played Dragon Quest XI. I actually found it kind of dull. I hate to say I played Nino Kuni 2. I platinum that game. It was excellent. I had a great time with that Octopath Traveler. I also played. I also liked, but that game gets very dull in the middle. And it, it's like the beginning is super good. And then it just hits this kind of lull of just you're doing things just to do them. And so it was it was good, but not great. And I did not play Pillars of Eternity 2. So of this list, I probably would have picked Nino Kuni 2 as my favorite role-playing game, but that would have been omitting Monster Hunter. With Monster Hunter in there, then why not? I guess it wins. Best action adventure game. The option so these these were the nominees: Assassin's Creed Odyssey, God of War, Spider-Man, Red Dead Redemption 2, or Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Winner going to God of War. I think that's fair. Uh it God of War would not be my favorite game of the year. Mine goes to Spider-Man, but I also have my deep love of Spider-Man and my root in nineties comics to thank for that. So it might've just been that, um, God, Spider-Man, I platinumed God of War. I did not. When I was done with God of War story, I was done with the game. Uh, so that told me that I enjoyed playing Spider-Man more than I enjoyed playing God of War, but it's a good list. Uh, the only thing I see on here that's kind of weird. I mean, it makes sense cause it's an action game, I suppose, but Red Dead Redemption, the action slash adventure part is probably its worst feature. It, its strengths are in its world building and everything, but whatever. So, then we go up to best action game, which I don't, I don't know the difference between best action game and best action adventure game. I suppose that seems weird to me, right? Like why not do a best action adventure game and then do best first person shooter or something like that? Or maybe they have that. Do they have that? I'm scrolling up here real quick. They do not have that. Okay. Wait, do they, did I see it? Did I see it? No. Okay. So, okay, but whatever. It just seems weird that you have a category for best action adventure and then a category for best action and a category for sports and racing has to be together. Okay. Anyway, best action game. The nominees were Black Ops 4, Dead Cells, Destiny 2, Far Cry 5, and Mega Man 11. The winner going to Dead Cells, which is excellent. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that a lot of that game's popularity grew with the Philip Muchin... Uh, controversy surrounding his stolen IGN review, but it couldn't happen to a better game. Like I'm glad it did. And I'm glad that uh, I'm glad it got extra attention from that. It didn't hurt that game at all. In fact, it helped get its name out there to everybody, but competing with these other games. I mean, I played far cry five. It was fine. Um, it just seems like weird to go up against Far Cry 5, Destiny 2, and Black Ops 4, and then you throw one other kind of indie in there with Mega Man 11. But I'm fine. I'm glad it won. It's a good game. It's fun. It's not my favorite Metroid 
inspired or Castlevania like side scrolling. It's like a roguelite side scrolling open world game where you keep certain abilities and things that you get while you're playing and then you, you slowly level up as you play through. But if you die, you go back to the beginning or whatever. Um, so then they go to best VR AR game. So augmented reality, virtual reality game. The nominees were Astrobot, Beat Saber, Firewall Zero Hour, Moss, and Tetris Effect. Winner going to Astrobot. I've heard it's very good. I have not played it. I heard it's excellent. Beat Saber I've played. It's very good. And Tetris Effect Jordan said was really, really good, but I haven't played uh, any of these other ones. Best mobile game. Uh, Donut County, Florence, Fortnite, PUBG Mobile, and Reigns, Game of Thrones. The winner going to Florence. And this made Jordan very happy. This is apparently a game he absolutely loved and he really wanted to, to win. So uh, I don't know any of these games. I mean, I know Fortnite and PUBG Mobile. Uh, but uh, congrats to Florence for winning. It's a small indie game and Jordan thought it was excellent. So good. Best indie game. The nominees were The Messenger, Return of Obra Dinn, Into the Breach, Dead Cells, and Celeste with the winner being Celeste. So congratulations to them. I still have not played Celeste. I need to do that. And not just because it won best indie game, but because I just, no one shuts up about it. So I just got You got to try it out eventually. Uh, now this one games for impact. Now this, this is kind of um, like, it's a, it's an interesting category. Cause this is more of like a, like, like maybe more emotional games, I guess is a way to say it. Games that leave a, a lasting impact on you, I think is the idea. The nominees were 1111 Memories Retold, Celeste, Florence, Life is Strange 2, Episode 1, and The Missing, with the winner going to Celeste. So Celeste really cleaning up these last two categories. Uh, best performance. So this was best performance by like a voice actor or character in the game. So uh, the nominees were Brian Deschart as Connor in Detroit Become Human, Christopher Judge as Kratos, uh, Melisanthi Mahut as Cassandra in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Roger Clark as Arthur Morgan in Red Dead 2, and Yuri Lowenthal as Peter Parker in Marvel Spider-Man. The winner going to Roger Clark as Arthur Morgan in Red Dead 2, and I think that's pretty good. I mean, I, I think they wanted Red Dead to win something, so they, they got it this. But also, it, it, I mean, it's a good performance. All these performances were great. Uh, Brian as Connor in Detroit Became Human was awesome. <laughs> like, I, I, I absolutely loved him in that game. And I thought the guy who played Peter Parker, Yuri Lowenthal, was great too. Uh, best Audio Design. The nominees, Black Ops 4, Forza 4, God of War, Spider-Man, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Best Audio Design goes to Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay. Uh Okay, I, I, I don't know what makes one any better than any other, to be quite honest. Uh, that's audio design because the best score slash music, the nominees were Celeste, God of War, Spider-Man, Nino Kuni 2, Octopath Traveler, and Red Dead Redemption 2, once again going to Red Dead Redemption 2. So Red Dead cleaning up in the audio department. Best art direction, nominees were Assassin's Creed Odyssey, God of War, Octopath Traveler, Red Dead 2, and Return of Obra Dinn with the winner going to Return of Oberdin. I have not played that game. I've played everything else on this list except for Odyssey. I have no idea what Return of Oberdin is. Actually, I'll need to check it out because clearly it's pretty good. Uh, best Narrative. Nominees were Detroit Become Human, God of War, Life is Strange 2, Marvel Spider-Man, and Red Dead Redemption 2, with the winner going to Red Dead Redemption 2. So Red Dead really cleaning up here in, in some of the later categories. Um, we're getting to the last few here. Best Game Direction. Uh, nominees, A Way Out, Detroit Become Human, God of War, Spider-Man, and Red Dead Redemption. The winner going to God of War. And Corey Barlog is the director there. Uh, and he'll actually reply to your tweets and stuff. He, he's, he seems like a pretty good dude. and he's, he's fun to chat with back and forth, and he's always really appreciative of any uh, positive feedback. 
Uh, best ongoing game. The nominees were Destiny 2, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, Overwatch, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. I'm surprised no fighting games made that list. Again, like Tekken or anything else, but okay. Uh, the winner going to Fortnite. I mean, it makes sense. The game's really popular. I don't care much for it, but it's there, and it's growing, and it's huge, and it's all kids ever talk about. So it's it's big. Can't deny it. And then, of course, for all the marbles, Game of the Year nominees were Assassin's Creed Odyssey, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, and Red Dead Redemption 2. So I'm props to my boy Monster Hunter for getting a Game of the Year rec uh, nomination, with the winner going to God of War. Uh, and I've played all of these except Celeste and Odyssey. And I wanted my game of the year is Spider-Man. The game I would like to see game of the year would be Spider-Man. But I appreciate that God of War was very uh, different and, and also very good. So it makes sense why God of War cleaned up the game of the year. I really thought it could have been Red Dead 2 only because of the hype it all received before it came out. Like, like everybody was talking about Red Dead 2. There was very little criticism of that game. Uh, as opposed to, you know, even Spider-Man had some criticisms about, you know, Puddlegate. And <laughs> and uh, God of War, people were arguing that the combat was slow and sluggish. Whatever. But that is your Game Awards for 2018. And there was a cool moment. That's actually what the picture here shows. There was a cool moment that we talked a little bit last night on the Dropcast. But I want to address here again where all three all three of the heads of their respective companies were on stage at one time. So you've got uh, Phil Spencer, Sean Layden, and Reggie fils So Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony all on stage at one time. And it's funny to me because a lot of people were, oh, this is so cool for them to come together, put everything aside for the best. They've always been like this. Like, fans create a system and console war, not the company heads. The company heads are usually probably very respectful to each other. Because they understand the pressures and, and everything that's going on. So they probably talk to each other more than you'd think. Um, but anywho, uh, it was a cool moment. I, I think the game awards are fine. I'd like to keep them. I'd like to see them keep going. I think it's a great thing. Um, anything that shines a light in the industry, I think is a good thing, especially in a positive way, I should say. Um, unlike negative things that happen, obviously aren't good. But, you know, the game awards are fine and it's a fun event. It's fun to talk about. And I think everybody who won seemingly deserved it. I don't think there was any that were kind of mind boggling to me. I mean, the only one that confused me a little bit was just Monster Hunter, but only because it I thought it was in the wrong category, not that it wasn't a good game. In fact, Monster Hunter was excellent, and it drew so many new people into it. That version of Monster Hunter brought in a ton of new people to Monster Hunter. It, it, that finally went mainstream. We've been waiting for a mainstream Monster Hunter to go mainstream forever, and it finally, finally happened. And that is it for the podcast today, everybody. Uh, like I said, I know a little bit shorter one, but it's just been uh, it's it's been a longer weeks uh, here going into the Christmas season, so work's been a little bonkers. So, um. So we're just going to wrap it up a little early. Like I said, I'm not sure about next week. I I want to do one, but it depends if I can get it done Monday night since I won't be available to do it Tuesday. So I'm going to try to squeeze that in. But Monday night, I also record the drop cast with the boys, with the Hansy boys um, on Twitch. So we'll have to see. Maybe maybe I'll squeeze a short one in after that. If, if there's some big groundbreaking news, I'll try to talk about it, of course. If there isn't, you know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, I appreciate everybody as always for listening and watching. If you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, you can f you can subscribe on 
iTunes. Just go to the podcast app or whatever and search for Game Talk Radio. Look for the little sprite of my guy wearing my Game Trade shirt. Uh, if you are listening to this on iTunes or SoundCloud, if you could subscribe to us on YouTube, we're about to hit 3,700 subs. Very, very proud of that. Uh, we're about to hit 3,700 subs, uh, and it's been quite the journey. So any other subs will help, though. So please, if you, if you like our content, Jordan does a bunch of great indie game previews. I try to do my news commentary stuff, and I've been doing a lot more retro stuff lately, too. So it seems to be a little bit for everybody. Um, not everything's for everybody, but there should be something for everybody. And, uh, and it's a good time, so I appreciate any any support. Thank you, as always, for listening and watching. Thank you for commenting, liking, subscribing, whatever you do. It's appreciated. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.